0: hello everybody and welcome to episode 38 of the podcast i'm your host andrew forbes here with my co-host peter barracchini and peter Lots to talk about, as always, obviously. We've got some retire retirees uh, coming up in the NHL. We've got a 32nd NHL franchise, and our Toronto Maple Leafs have clinched a playoff spot. But first, how's it going out your way? Going good, man. And
1: just to throw this out there, belated Merry Clinchmas to every Leaf fan out there. Uh, five Fifth time in five seasons. Really excited. Episode 38, Rasmussen, Dean's number, if we're going by Leaf, you know, roster players right now. But yeah, you know, I'm doing good. Um, big news on my end. was able to get my first uh, COVID vaccine shot and really happy about that swore for a couple days but nothing out of the ordinary really happy to get the first one out of the way and with the vaccine rollouts happening right now it's just one step closer to getting back out there getting together watching the game with friends family everything like that so fingers crossed hopefully everyone is doing safe and not not a plug but get your shot the quicker you get it the quicker we could go back to being normal so, so no third arm
0: or sixth sixth finger yet.
1: Right? <laughs> uh, i I mean, nothing. I'm looking at my hands right now. No finger, no third arm, nothing like, like you know, the mutants from Futurama or anything like that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm good. I'm still well. My uh, the soreness of my arm is gone. I'm hundred percent back to being normal right now.
0: There you go. And I'm <laughs> glad you mentioned Rasmus Sandine wearing number 38 as we hit our 38th episode here at Sticks in the Six. Mm-hmm. Eight players have, only eight players I should say, have worn the number 38 for the Maple Leafs since 1994. Can you name any of the other seven players to wear the number 38?
1: I know one of them is Jay Rosehill. That's right. And I want to say Fraser McLaren.
0: That is another one. So Jay Rosehill, J Rosehill, twenty ten to twenty twelve, and Fraser McLaren, twenty thirteen to fourteen. They were making it the tough guy number on the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then uh, obviously Rasmus Sandin picked that up as well. Um, in between that, uh, you had Colin Greening in twenty sixteen, who wore number thirty eight. Yeah. And prior to Jay Rosehill, you had Chris Snell in 1994, David Harlock in 1996, Yannick Tremblay in 1997 to 99, and Brad Lieb in 2004. So just a little uh, Maple Leafs trivia there for you. Eight players total have worn the number 38 in the blue and white. So fun little start to the show. Um, But we have a lot of serious, serious talk to get to in this uh, in this episode and not all of it, you know, good, um, Mm -hmm. great, uh, clean. I don't I don't know what you want to call it, Um, but we're going to get that kind of out of the way right off the hop. Uh, Two players on leave from their respective franchises uh, right now in the NHL. Jake Vertanen and uh, Jonathan Drouin. Obviously, Jonathan Drouin, for personal reasons, uh, has left the Montreal Canadiens for the time being. Uh, he, he did ask that everyone respect his privacy yeah. as he deals with some family matters. Um, and obviously, we're not gonna we're not here to speculate on that. We don't want to speculate on that. Um, obviously, there's uh, there's something going on, and he's he's doing his best to to uh, you know handle that the way that. He needs to without it affecting his teammates or his team. And uh, we just wish Jonathan Drouin and his family all the best as they deal with whatever they have to during these mm-hmm. tough times. Absolutely. The other, however, is a much more public story in terms of why he is not with the Vancouver Canucks. And Jake Vertanen, um for those who don't know, has been um, accused by a, uh, a woman of sexual, uh, sexual assault back in 2017. And I hesitate a little bit because it is such a tough subject to talk about. And mm-hmm. I don't want to skim over it because I don't think that's doing anything for the, um, for the victim. I don't think it's doing anything for the openness that should be, there for for sexual assault victims. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So that being said, we will we will quickly talk about it. Um, obviously, anybody who read the the um, post that was posted on Instagram by the, this particular woman um, who who will at this time r- remain nameless, um, she outlined kind of a encounter with an NHL player. Back in 2017, in which the player took her back to their hotel, his hotel room, and subsequently um, forced himself upon her. Um, And obviously, it's much more detailed if you want to look up the details. That's that you know, I'll leave that to you. Um, But uh, for me, reading that, it was, it was frustrating it was angering and it was um it was very sickening to be honest um Mm -hmm. and i don't really know if there's any other words that i can use for it it was disgusting it was really disgusting and and you know it's such a tough realm to deal with um because it, i they often don't come forward right away and for for their own particular reasons and you know you can't you can't condemn somebody for that um nor should we um but yeah, it's just f- right now, I think it's a good thing that for is away from the team it, it it's caught it he he needs to figure out what's going on with this, and and if it de- is in fact the case where he was involved, um, this is a much bigger issue for him personally, and it will change the way that he he is seen um, on a whole new level. And this we're talking about more than just possibly never playing hockey again. We're talking about um, something that obviously needs to be dealt with in a very real way yeah and you
1: summed it up perfectly and you basically used the words it took the words right out of my mouth this is serious this is concerning and this could be very damaging for jake vertana right now obviously uh this report it's very recent and the canucks are uh, there's um an external party doing the investigation because he's on leave there they want to get to the bottom of this and do their own investigation and it's it's weird how not weird but it's coincidental that this happened a day after that the major league baseball and the Toronto Blue Jays cut ties with Roberto Alomar over a sexual misconduct allegation as well um I, I guess they may have come to the conclusion that it did happen, which is why they cut ties with him, but this is... Yeah, I... It's, like you said, it's sickening, and it's it's sad that this is still happening, that the fact that women are still being treated in this light, and it's very... It's disappointing that we... That we haven't come to a solution or anything regarding this, and the accuser... um she said that i couldn't believe that i said i couldn't believe that i said no and he didn't take that for an answer i felt violated and gross and wanted to leave if that doesn't turn your stomach inside out i don't know what would because this is this is again it's it, like you said it's sickening and this type of treatment towards women like seriously needs to stop and the fact that you know they've been They've held these stories in for such a long time because maybe no one would believe them. But you know what? They need to speak up. Simple as that. Continue to speak up because we need to to hear it. We need to do something about it because this is just getting way too much and way too out of hand. Well,
0: and it's funny you mention Roberto Alomar, and it's to the point that the Jays didn't just cut ties; they're taking him off their ring of excellence. Yeah, um, and mm-hmm. that's, I mean, from a from an outside standpoint, that's the smartest thing from a franchise's uh, perspective. Um, there, there's no tolerance. There should be zero zero tolerance. And this is not just about changing the culture in one particular sport. This is not about changing the culture in just sport alone. This is. Changing an all-around culture that should never have been there in the first place, and it's holding those accountable for their it actions, is. and it and... should. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's where the anger part for me came in because I read the details of the uh, of what the the alleged victim um, was was saying, and um, she she mentioned at the reason why she did not come forward was more so because there were people that were saying like you know you slept with an NHL player like you should be there should be a notch in your belt and that's the mentality of those people and these aren't these aren't people in hockey culture these aren't people in sport culture these aren't people in you know fame culture these are people that are everyday people and are telling this young woman that, Hey, this should be a notch in your belt, but that's not how it should be. Um, And and I think that the part that got me the most, and and I know I bring this up on the podcast every once in a while, but being a dad now, and especially to a, to a young son, like I just hope to hell that I teach him the right things because this this sickens me and um i i I, like you can hear you can hear the reservation in my voice like i just i don't have the words to say it without going on an absolute tear of of somebody who has at the moment has been accused but has not been found guilty of anything and i am trying to not crucify somebody in in the public eye without the right details yeah and, and i that's, think that's where i'm at right now yeah and like you said
1: i mean it's it's an ongoing investigation until we find out what actually happened then the information will come to light but still we should take this seriously no matter what i mean whether he's innocent or guilty this is it's, it's still a very serious subject no matter what it's not going to go away and until we figure out a solution with this, it, I mean, easier said than done. But something needs to be done. I mean, it's it's just getting way too much and way too out of hand right now. Like I said before, I mean, I like I, I'm tripping over my words right now because, like you, I don't, I couldn't imagine like being in that position as well right now. I really can't.
0: Yeah. And it's just, I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, we, we can sit here and say like for, for those who have been assaulted to come forward and, and honestly, I would, I hope to help that, uh, we become more understanding of, mm-hmm. of, of this and, and open that door and create that discussion the same way we have with mental health and, and trying to, um, you know, get rid of that stigma, but, um, it's not regardless, it's not easy. And, Never. um, you know, obviously it's, it's something that we would, uh, love to create more awareness of and, and change, change what's going on. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously it's something that we, we continue to, to, to push towards and, and try and figure out a way of, of making it, you know, less of an occurrence than, than ever before. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, unfortunately it's it's stepped over into into hockey talk over the last week and um you know that's just where we are and and obviously we're here to bring light to the stories that are taking place in the hockey world mm-hmm. and that's one of the biggest ones right now and and we hope uh to to the uh, the alleged victim we hope all the best and and hopefully yes. that uh you know um hopefully you find resilience in in you know telling your story and and hopefully uh, justice is served at, at the end of the day um but uh yeah it's it's just one of those things that you don't uh, especially you know a podcast like this we it, it's tough for us to to basically make it a, a hot topic and uh but we we want to do our best to raise awareness as well mm-hmm. so um yeah i mean definitely. and it also stems from like the culture
1: too I mean for years now we've been like everyone is saying like you know the hockey culture it has to change it has to change this is one of those things where you know people do like you know these kind of actors say certain types of things that you know you wouldn't you you shouldn't say at all right now and people are still having that mentality and attitude and still using that kind of language It, it, it needs to change everything the actions the words it hurts and it It's
0: it's impacting the game and we still have a long way to go to change it. And just one last note, anybody out there who's victim shaming, you should be absolutely ashamed of yourself. And that's that's the one part. And I'll go back to the Paul Hendrick interview we had a few episodes ago where he said people that are faceless and nameless on social media basically piss off. Um, You know, there's no place for you guys. And, And and especially in a case like this. Keep your keep your words to yourself. Keep mm-hmm. your thoughts to yourself. Nobody gives a shit about what you have to say. So, um, that said, we're gonna we're gonna jump over to a little bit more uh, hockey-friendly talk as we uh, progress from this. Um, obviously, the Seattle Kraken officially made their final payment to the NHL. They are now the thirty-second NHL franchise and. They are able to sign, trade, and make some deals as they head towards the beginning of their franchise. Um, This is something that kind of piqued my interest, especially because the article I just posted about, um, you know, Zach Hyman being a part of the core and how the Maple Leafs core four is now five with Zach Hyman. Um, I got a lot of feedback that, uh, you know, the Kraken couldn't take him. Well, yeah, guys, I know that. I know they can't take him. (laughs) Um, That said, July 1st, they can sign him. They can sign him as a free agent. And at at a certain point, they can have a discussion with him and say, hey, look, this is what we're willing to offer you. There is that option. So to all the commenters out there who said the Kraken can't take him, yeah. I know the rules. Um, <laughs> I was hoping that my readers would also know the rules, um, and that and know that I was just kind of skipping a step there. But that said, um, hopefully, Hyman stays in Toronto, and Seattle starts their franchise with another former Maple Leaf.
1: You didn't want to make it a point like you purposely purposely skip that over because you still want to make Hyman a leaf. I mean, that's going to be the priority. You don't want him going anywhere, especially to, you know, giving up a really key asset to a team like Seattle. I mean, look what happened with the Vegas Golden Knights signing players, making trades. Marc-Andre Fleury. They got Marc-Andre Fleury. Exactly. With the expansion draft. And granted, they're probably going to, you know, protect Zach Hyman. But like you said, July 1st. He's a UFA. He can sign anywhere he wants. But going to the actual like news of the Kraken, it's actually it's like this is really great news. I mean, great news for the league, great news for fans in Seattle. And it's also funny because last week we were talking about a lawsuit about a bar and grill or a bar and lounge, punk rock bar, because you know, people are coming in with Seattle gear and wanting to watch a game or a hockey game and it's destroying their quote unquote brand. But I guess maybe that they're part of the league right now. It doesn't matter.
0: I think um, <laughs> it's great news for the NHL. I think it's bad news for that uh, local punk rocker bar. Ooh, um, yeah. Look, we talked about it last week, 3.5 million. You're suing the wrong people. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's such an exciting time for the NHL. Especially you know it, it like we talk about this world being so different right now. Um for, for the Seattle Kraken to finally become an official part of the NHL. Um you know, it, it's it's an opportunity to see another team, more opportunity for players. Um I continually joke with everybody, like my son is gonna be a year in, in about two weeks, and I keep joking, hey, 17 years until his draft year. And I mean, it's, it's crazy, but it's, there's so much opportunity now for players to get involved. And, um, I think it's, like I said, it's a great opportunity. I'm excited to see where they go with this. We obviously saw how Vegas did it in trading for picks and, and, uh, not taking certain players so that they could, you know, acquire more first round picks and all that kind of stuff. I'm so excited to see what Ron Francis and the the management team does with the Seattle Kraken because this is a whole new beginning for for yet another franchise and um, yeah I mean I might have to get a Kraken jersey just because those jerseys are absolutely ridiculous and we'll see what players end up there I mean look at the look at the Vegas Golden Knights and they got guys like. You know, um, Nate Schmidt at the beginning before they sent him back, to uh, yeah. sent him over to Vancouver. They got uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. Now they've got guys like Pacioretty and Stone. So what they were able to do uh, was capitalize on um, potential trade uh, or potential players where they actually acquired picks um, so that they didn't take other players from franchises so there's so much to talk about going into this offseason and uh yeah i'm just i'm just excited to see what the kraken do uh i'm with you on that with the kraken jersey because
1: i'm a sucker for blue on blue and especially the light teal with the reflection i i just love it i think it's really great but yeah ron francis looked pretty busy doing his homework scouting at the u18 tournament right now being at the canada games and you know what he's got a lot of options if i believe i think seattle at the moment has the third overall pick i don't think they could pick any lower than maybe five or something like that for correct me if i'm wrong on actual rules um i'm gonna have to brush up on that but you're looking at i'm looking at a mock draft you're looking at probably simon evansson who maybe isn't having the best tournament at all right now. That that, that could be a bit of a problem, but still a really good prospect. Dylan Genther, Luke Hughes, Jesper Wallstedt, William Eklund, Brandt Clark. He's got options. He's got some really good options with that pick, no matter where he's going to be.
0: And maybe you start your franchise with a franchise goal, goalie in uh, uh, You know, just, just a thought. Like, um, Why not? It, it it's going to be so crazy and uh you know even even if the Kraken don't live up to the same you know storyline Cinderella storyline that the Vegas Golden Knights had you know obviously doing what they did in their in their inaugural season mm-hmm. um you know you're looking at a team that yeah might be bad for a year and and get another early first round pick in in what could be a very interesting draft in the 2022 draft so i mean i think there's just it's exciting, like I said, for hockey right now to grow. Um, it's one of the few businesses that can financially afford to grow during this COVID market. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a great opportunity for for players. It's a great opportunity for guys who have been, you know, lifetime AHLers might get an opportunity to make make a, make the show for a few games and and you know live out their dream. So it it's gonna be a good good thing for the NHL. Um. All around. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, we mentioned Fleury in uh, the Golden Knights, and I don't think it would be a proper show without talking about a milestone for somebody in the NHL. And Marc-Andre Fleury, um, with his most recent win, tied Roberto Luongo for third all-time on the NHL wins list with 489. Um What's crazy about this is is Roberto Luongo had 489 in 1,044 games. marc Andre Fleury has done the same in 880 games. So you're talking about um, you know 160 games fewer than uh, than Roberto Luongo, and he just continues to climb that ladder. Um, obviously uh, now a little bit more shy. I think I believe he's. 62 wins shy of Patrick Waugh for second all-time, but I don't think Marc-Andre Fleury is slowing down anytime soon. He's still getting it done. Um, but, uh, yeah, great feat for, for Flower, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just continues to grind it out uh, as a 1A, 1B in Vegas. Flower power just continues to power through, you know? I mean, that that's
1: really something. I mean, I mean closing in on patrick wall right now that is something i i you think of the goalies in the past and maybe they probably had it i'm I'm trying to th- i'm trying to think if it, like goaltending back then was a little bit it was easier to score on goalies but goalies like patrick wall and martin Berger, they did their job consistently in keeping that puck out But right now, in in a league where it's harder to score goals, Flurry's at the top right now, and he's probably the best goalie at the moment. Maybe top three, top two. If you think maybe Vasilevsky's the top one, and then Flurry right behind. Because man, both are playing lights out hockey. But yeah, congrats to Flurry. Just awe inspiring at what he's doing right now.
0: If the Beijing Olympics take place, if if. NHLers go to the Winter Olympics. Is Marc-Andre Fleury in talks as one of the possible goaltenders for Team Canada? I
1: think he is the starter. Over Carey Price, over Carter Hart, he's the one that's getting wins right now. I mean, I, I, I understand that Carter Hart has had a down year, and he had good numbers the last two seasons, but this year... He'd probably be on the roster, but I think he would be the third string. Carey Price, same thing. I think he would be the backup. But Marc-Andre Fleury is getting the wins. He's getting the highlights. He's he, he's getting it done. And there's a reason why Vegas is in first place right now. Fleury is the one backstopping them to all the wins. Granted, that he's got a good team in front of him, But when he the team needs to rely on him to make a save, he's here to make a save. And there's a reason why.
0: Yeah, you know what, you're not gonna get an argument out of me. I think Flurry would definitely be in talks. I I don't know if I'd say he, he's the starter. I, I do think he'd be on Canada. And I think he'd give anybody a run for the money in terms of taking that starting job. Um obviously, you know, a guy that's been able to continuously get it done wherever he's played. Obviously Pittsburgh had a great team in front of him. Vegas has a great team in front of him, but he's still able to get it done no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um two fifty five goals against uh career wise just incredible numbers like I mean obviously you're gonna get the wins if if you're only allowing two and a half goals a game so uh definitely (laughs) you know pretty uh pretty crazy numbers for for Marc-Andre Fleury over his career another guy that's worth talking about and one that will be stepping away from the game at the end of this season is Ryan Miller Uh, Ryan Miller, 40 years old, and what a classy move by the Los Angeles Kings the other night. Shaking his hand as he, Mm -hmm. you know, closed out uh, what could or what will be his home career. Uh, 795 games played over his career 391, 289, 1 in 86 uh, in terms of his record probably one of the last few goalies that will have a tie when it comes to his record. Um, 264 goals against uh, during his career, 914 save percentage, 44 shutouts. This season, obviously, those numbers aren't really the same at 4-8-1 in 15 games, a 349 goals against, and an 885 save percentage. But at 40 years old, we kind of know the numbers are going to start to dwindle a little bit. Um obviously played with Buffalo, St. Louis, Vancouver, and Anaheim, and I almost forgot that he played for St. Louis for a little while there. But <laughs> um playoff record of 28-27 in fifty-seven games played with a 252 goals against 913 save percentage and three shutouts. 19th all-time in games played for goalies, 29th all-time in save percentage uh, among goaltenders with at least 200 games played, and 14th all-time in wins. He's the winningest American-born goalie. And when I think Ryan Miller, I think Buffalo, and I think back to his fight with Jonathan Bernier. (laughs) Uh,
1: I also think back to the Vancouver Canucks with the fight with Matt Martin, too. But... um... Yeah, I mean, phenomenal career and every single time the Leafs played Buffalo, I hated the fact that he was going to be in that and the fact that he was going to win because he was that good at that time. And yeah, you know, he's getting older, uh, he's not on a very strong Ducks team right now, started to decline play and the team as well, but you know what? still a very strong career no matter what and like you said a beautiful moment from the kings to go after uh to the Ducks side shake hands with uh, miller because of the fact that you know what he's a well-respected goalie he's earned it throughout his career and he deserves nothing but the respect from every team well i mean teams only in the west division right now because they're playing up against them but i'm pretty sure every team would you know do something to salute him um if it was normal circumstances and they were all playing, uh, every 31, uh, all the 31 teams right now, but yeah, fantastic career, nothing but the best for him. And yeah, yeah, uh, j- just, just going back, at least he won't have to play the Maple Leafs anymore.
0: You know, what I love about the whole thing about the whole handshaking thing is, um, and we saw with Marlow when he, uh, surpassed Mr. Yes. Hockey For games played. Um, is that earlier in the year when uh, Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, and Elias Samsonov all got, uh, all got suspended for, for meeting up in their uh, their hotel room with no yeah. mask, and here we have two teams basically getting together to shake hands uh, on, on obviously milestone moments. And yeah. uh, it, it's, it's essentially like, fuck COVID for, for those few minutes. <laughs> and, you know... Like, here we go. Right. Yeah. It's just, it, it, it it just kind of defines how different people see this whole COVID thing. (laughs) And it just made me laugh about the whole Washington thing back uh, at the beginning of the year and how they got suspended for it. And, you know, now we've got all the players from the Kings dressing room going up and shaking Miller's hand, um, and, and giving him hugs. Obviously, you know, it's, it's a big moment for him and, and, um, you know, he's done, he's done phenomenal things over his career. Uh, as I mentioned, winningest American-born uh, goaltender in NHL history, passing John Van Beesbrook uh, last season. And uh, Jonathan Quick is the next guy in line about uh, 60 wins shy of um, Ryan Miller. So big stuff for him. And, and we wish Ryan Miller all the best in his retirement um, a few injuries to, to talk about, uh, this, this past week, um, obviously Carter Hart out for the year with an MCL strain in his left knee. Um, you know, not the worst thing for him to take the rest of the year off. He's had, a, he's had a down year, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, I don't know if you've seen the the meme on, on Twitter where it's, uh, you know, a whole group of people on the boat and, all of a sudden they hit a wave and everyone falls over. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And that's kind of uh, very descriptive in terms of the Philly uh, start to the season and where they're at now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But uh, yeah, I think this will do him well. And and so long as he takes this and, and doesn't beat himself up over it and comes back next season with a, with a fresh mind, um, you know, this might be the best thing for Carter Hart on the other side of things. Marco Rossi has, really opened up about his covid complications um here's a guy who hasn't been on skates since uh probably december um since the world juniors see, yeah since the world juniors still dealing with issues uh in terms of back pain and uh and fatigue uh when it comes to his covid diagnosis so um crazy crazy to think what uh, it can do to an a, a young guy of his age and his his stature and his, his, uh, athleticism. Um, but Hey, we're living in COVID times and, and, uh, here's a guy who, who had everything going for him. And right now is trying to figure out a way to, to get past this, this insane, um, illness that seems to be taking over the world. I'm going to read a quote
1: from an article by Thomas Williams over at, uh, Yahoo. Um, basically marco said every time before i went to sleep i was so scared that i won't wake up anymore every night before sleep i was really sad and always crying because i was scared of that i told my parents could you sleep right next to my bed and be here till i fall asleep and every day i woke up in the morning i was so glad that i woke up it was really hard that right then and there like this is the this is what people are going through on a daily basis. And Marco Rossi had a very serious bout with this virus. And this is a guy who's just happy to be alive right now. And we're over a year into this pandemic. And for everyone, anyone out there who says that this virus isn't real, I just read you a very heartbreaking comment that this that this guy was fearing that when he wakes up, it was going to be over. He wasn't going to wake up when he went to bed. And read the story, read the stories of everyone else that have lost someone to this virus and stop making asinine comments because this is, it's still going on right now. And the fact that Marco is out there is t- telling us about his story and the fact that he's still alive is it's, it's absolutely encouraging because it athletes are not immune to this. No one is immune to this virus. And honestly I'm, I'm just glad he's okay because he's a really intriguing and entertaining prospect and I hope we get to see him on the ice because that comment right there that really struck a
0: chord with me yeah you know what there's a part of me that uh, looks at him and wonders if he at some point might just say forget hockey I'm happy to be alive and yeah. go on with his life there I, I have thought about that I really have and um i read that comment as well and um yeah there was a part of me that thought you know maybe this is a point where he as 19 year old i believe 19 year old steps away from the game and says you know what it's it's the game is just the game and for me it's about you know living life to its fullest uh potential now and with everything that he's gone through i mean to think that it's been it's been months since he's actually been on skates since he's actually played hockey since yeah you know he's felt normal um it really puts into perspective what all of us are going through right now definitely and uh you know er, I know for me every time I feel like the slightest dry throat I I wonder hey is this it Can Yeah. this be it <laughs> on honestly it's just it's you know you you really overanalyze everything that's that's going on right now because you just you know you don't know mm-hmm. nobody really knows what this this illness is all about and he's he he put it into words so well um you know this is what this is that was spoken from the heart and that, i think that's what what everyone should take away from it is that you know this is the guy that had everything going for him and how quickly things can change for him because of, of something so serious. So um, obviously, to to Rossi, we we wish you all the best. Um, yes. To Carter Hart, like I said, you know, take this with take this and and build off it. Uh, you are the goalie of the future for the Philadelphia Flyers, and you have so much potential. Um, you know, this is a bump in the road. So um, hopefully, hopefully. He can bounce back next season for the Philadelphia Flyers with that. We haven't had one of these in a long time. And I was hoping that we, we wouldn't for, for a while longer, but, um, former Maple Leaf, Miroslav Freiser, uh, died at the age of 61 after what they called a battle with a short illness. Um, I do believe, I, I forget where I read it, but I do believe they were saying it did not, it was not COVID-related. No. Um, that said, uh, obviously, you know, saddened for the family, saddened for former teammates, um, anybody who was still a uh, part of uh, Freiser's life. Um, he played seven seasons for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I believe he, uh, he defected as well. So... I mean, another great story in terms of uh, a player doing what he needed to do to to kind of get to where he wanted to be and, and mm-hmm. get out of uh, a, a very restricting country at the time. Um, he did play for the Quebec Nordiques. He did play for the Edmonton Oilers, both one season. Uh, he did play for the Detroit Red Wings uh, one season near the end of his NHL career as well. But seven seasons with the Toronto Maple Leafs, his best year coming in 1985-86 when he had... 32 goals and 75 points in 73 games. Um, you know, obviously, uh, a sad day when any anybody passes away, especially now with everything going on. But um, yeah, we wish Miroslav Freiser's family and friends all the best, and yeah. uh, you know, just another loss uh, in in a uh, in a hockey community that um, really encapsulates any any kind of loss as as one of their own yeah i mean you just read off
1: the his accomplishments especially in the nhl and it was chronicled that he was recovering from a liver transplant as well so um i don't know when that was um it was uh, it is it was talked about in his autobiography my wild hockey life but yeah uh, even part of the winter olympics in lake Plaza too um we all remember that that, that Olympics, um, especially with Team USA at that time. But you know what? Um, it's always tough. And now that it was a Maple Leaf alumni, it, it, it always strikes home no matter what, whether it's a Maple Leaf, whether it's a player in the league, no matter what, you never want to see this. Um, it's very, very heartbreaking. Um Again, we say it too many times on the on the podcast. You never want to see it, and you know it, it, it's it's just very difficult no matter what. And given the circumstances right now, um, we we like we just wish nothing but the best for him and his family.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And a couple couple other notes before we um, send it over to our interview. Um, the Turner Sports seven year deal with uh, with the NHL will be the secondary. Uh, TV deal in the U.S. for hockey next season. Um, Obviously a big deal for both hockey and Turner Sports, so that'll be interesting. Um, TNT, for those who watch NBA on TNT, um, now you've got NHL on TNT. So (laughs) that'll be uh, interesting to see what they're able to do with that. Um, On top of that, the draft lottery has been set for June 2nd. As Leaf fans, at the moment, we're not too concerned with that, as we (laughs) will likely not be in the draft lottery at all, unless we make some crazy trade heading into the offseason. But uh, worth noting for the rest of the NHL. Um, Getting past that, uh, the Women's World Championship is back on. I know we talked about it last episode Mm -hmm. where it was cancelled. Exciting news. Looks like it could be headed to Alberta. Um, so that's uh, that's a big note for the women. Um, especially because I, I mean there was really no reason why it shouldn't have been uh they shouldn't have found a way to, to make it happen. Two other quick notes. Um the OHL showcase looks like there there will be something put together in Erie, Pennsylvania. Um a former guest of the show, Andrew Parrott, is among those who is getting that going. And that'll be for um, 2021 NHL draft eligibles who didn't get their season underway, as well as um, overagers who also didn't get to play their last year in the OHL. And with our guests, we'll get into this as well. But the under-18s are going on right now, and there is some... in crazy hockey to talk about when it comes to the under 18s oh yeah matt v mitchkov um do we want to touch on that before we just, we throw it over to josh bell of fc hockey <sighs> this
1: kid's the real deal man and i he scored a goal like right on the goal line um yesterday and i was just in shock and awe at how how he sees the ice, and he could score from anywhere, and the, where he was located, I was just like, "How?" And the CKA Twitter account—they've been pumping the tires on Matvey Mitchkov with a bunch of memes and everything like that. Um, one of my favorite ones that I absolutely love was the fact that it was—it it was titled "There Are Three M's: Mister Matvey Mitchkov. and you know the scene in The Shining where Jack Nicholson is axing through the door and his wife is in the bathroom with the knife. Um, Wendy's scared and it has labeled Germany. And as Jack Nicholson is poking through the broken door, here's Mitch So yeah, a great meme and reference with one of my favorite horror movies of all time. But man, this kid is unbelievable, man. And he, I believe it's up to nine goals right now and 11 points leading the tournament. I mean, I knew he was going to be good and there was a good chance that he was probably going to be leading this tournament in points, but man, he's just taking it to
0: a whole nother level right now. Yeah, I know it's, it's insane what he's been able to do. And, you know, obviously we're sitting here in Canada, hoping that Canada can steal this tournament, but, uh, (laughs) Um, uh, has definitely been the story of the tournament in terms of what he's been able to do. Um, just tearing it up. His, his shot is unbelievable. It makes me look forward to the 2023 NHL draft so much more with him and Bedard being the highlights of that draft. So, um, w- you know, I, I'd love to get more into the under 18s, but I think, uh, it's worth sending it over to our guest, uh, mm-hmm. FC hockey's Josh Bell
1: folks we're happy to have our next guest back again with us to talk everything draft related he's the crossover scout for future considerations hockey he may not be with the hockey raiders anymore but he's still our draft draft guru josh bell is here josh it's always great to have you back how are you doing
2: hey guys thanks a lot for having me on i'm doing well the u18s are underway right in the middle watching two to four games a day i'm happy
1: and I guess we'll start that off with the tournament. I mean, it's currently underway. It's shaping up to be a really, really interesting and entertaining tournament at this moment, but not just for this draft class, which we will get to later, but for 2022 and 2023 with the likes of Shane Wright, Brad Lambert, Connor Bedard, Matt bay Is Quite frankly, this is what I expected from these four potential game-changing prospects. What are your thoughts so far?
2: It's been awesome. Shane Wright, that first game, puts up a hat trick. And- he, honestly, he could just sit out the rest of the preliminary round. He doesn't need to play. He's shown that he can what he can do. He's just so good though, and so dominant, and obviously the leader on the team. After the that first game, the coach was talking uh, about him on the bench, and he's he's just such a leader. Like he's demanding the team to do better, and they won that game 12-1. But Chainwright's on the bench, demanding more. So uh, it's just really great to see uh, Mishkov. Oh, that's a four-goal performance. Lacrosse goal between the legs, the post in. He's just so skilled and it's hard to believe he's just 16 years old. Um, and Bedard too, like Bedard maybe doesn't show up on the, the score sheet as much so far. He did get his first international goal last night, but he's obviously the go-to. He's been played in all situations. He's a top six guy. He's been on the power play. Um, and then one guy who hasn't yet gotten talked about, um, as much as Lane Hudson. Uh, 2022 eligible for Team USA. He's been so good. He had the one game with three assists and then the, the game the other night, he he was just magic. And he made the, the one goal that USA got for uh, with uh, Pastyjov. He made that happen with his feet. Uh, he's really good. He, he could be one of the top defensemen in the class.
0: Josh, what's crazy about this tournament right now is that you've got a lot of OHL players who didn't really get a start to their year and all of a sudden they're throwing, thrown into this tournament. Um, what What is this tournament allowing them to do for, for this draft class?
2: Yeah, it's, it's nice to see them finally hit the ice, <laughs> um, finally get some games under their belt. And even the guys who went overseas, a lot of people weren't able to see them. Um, so it's nice to like guys like Brand Clark and uh, Peneli, Othman, Tavish, seeing those guys like and with, against their peers. Uh, it really does wonders. Um, but yeah, the guys who didn't play at all, it's, it's just really nice to see. Uh, I've been really impressed with uh, Ryan Winterton. He's probably going to be a, a little bit of a mid-round pick, but uh, he's a guy that seemed to really step up. Um, and then Ethan Del Mastro. He's a big bodied physical presence. He, uh, he's definitely thrown his weight around last night, and he uh, he's a guy that's definitely on the radar. And honestly, in a regular season, he probably could have been close to a first in a second round. So it's too bad that these guys couldn't play, but uh, at least they're getting some nice time now. You just mentioned two really
1: potential game-changing prospects if, you know, there was a full season in Del Mastro and uh, Ryan Winterton, but for me, the past few games, even with Shane right out, Mason McTavish, I mean, he's been uh, a lock to be a top 20 pick. Um, What are your thoughts on him so far? Because he just seems to get better and just feeds off every single game right now.
2: Absolutely, I feel like he's also the guy that just kind of adapts to whatever situation the team needs him. So that g- first game with Shane Wright as captain, Shane Wright was the captain, and then he was out for the game two, and McTavish really stepped up. Um, and he, I think, he's been Canada's best player through this tournament. Uh, whenever, where, like I said, wherever they need him, he can step in and he can fill that role. He's solid in his own end. He's obviously putting up the points. Um, so yeah, he's he's definitely helping his draft stock. I think
0: from a goaltending perspective. I know uh you know we don't talk a lot about first round goaltenders. Obviously the last two years or last year and this this year we're going to see likely a first round goaltender top 10 pick um in goaltending in the U18s right now. Anybody that we should really keep an eye on?
2: Um it's tough. there's a few guys the uh, what's his name now? The Russian goalie uh, has probably been the standout to me, Sergey Ivanov. Um, he's done everything that Russia needs for them. He's got a nine four four save percentage right now. Uh, he's kept them in games. Um, Caden and He only played that one game for the U.S. Um, against uh, was against the Czechs, but um, he was pretty much lights out. He only had the one goal against, and he lost the game for eleven minutes I think with an injury, but came back and. Kept the door shut, through the shootout and everything. He was really good. Um, one guy I was really hoping we'd see more of is Benjamin Goudreau. He's only played the one game. He looked good, um, but I was kind of hoping he would be the number one guy through the tournament. And it's like FC, we've got him at the end of our first round as the third goalie in the first. So uh, we were hoping to see him a little bit more, but uh, it is what it is. Milic has looked good as well. And then the last guy I'll just mention is Nikia Kwap, the German goalie. Um, he's 22 eligible. Um, and obviously Germany hasn't won a game, but he's actually, he's looked solid in the games that he's played. And, uh, he's the guy that stood out to me
1: now still sticking with the 2021 drafts with some of the prospects that are up. Um, I know that team USA, they're down Luke Hughes, they're down, they're down Chad Lucius. And many would have thought that because those two t- those two key players were out, maybe USA would probably struggle just a little bit. And considering that the roster that Sweden had, maybe they would give Canada a good run. However, that seems to be the total opposite right now with what we've seen, especially in terms of the group play. Um, in terms of like their depth and players, who has the better edge right now, considering that, you know, Sweden does have likes uh, Fabian Lezel, uh, Isaac Rosen and William Stronggren, and USA still playing well without their
2: top guys. Yeah, USA has the benefit of most of these guys playing together all year, right? So they know they have the chemistry. They know what everybody else is going to do. Um, it is a big hit to lose guys like Lucius Hughes and uh, uh, Gasol uh, and Martin, but the younger guys have really stepped up and have been key players. And I mentioned uh, Lane Hudson; he's really helped fill that Hughes void. As has as 21 eligible Sean Barron's, who's just been the best player for Team USA, I think. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of give the edge to the USA just because they have that experience playing together. Um, Sweden, what a tough tournament for them so far. Uh, they just they just can't seem to put it together. They can't seem to uh, get set in the offensive zone. They can't seem to make things happen. And the the last game, they they had the three. They won three one, but all those three goals came on one five minute power play. Like it's, we, we I think we're really hoping to see the top guys really step up. And I think Fabian Lazelle is the, the one bright spot on that team so far, but everybody else has not been great. Um, Stromgren has had, had some good moments. Rosen has had some good moments, but the team as a whole, is just not what we were expecting at
0: all. Josh, is it safe to say, I mean, I'm not going to, well, let's be honest, I'll put you on the spot here. Is it safe <laughs> to say that Canada's got this tournament locked down or do you have, uh, do you have somebody that might come out of, out of the woodworks to take it from Canada?
2: it's tough because we could see world juniors all over again. So you look at the pools and Canada's had a pretty easy road and uh, playing a team like the Swiss and the Latvians, they didn't have the easiest time. They had a hard time at points and uh, really struggled to get offense going, especially in that Latvia game. It got close there for a little bit. Um, so you look at the other pool with Russia, Finland, USA and Czech Republic, who's just been outstanding, I think uh, they have not made it easy on anyone that could be a tough matchup for Canada. They're not used to that competition in this tournament, so that'll it'll be a big test I, I as a Canadian. Obviously, I'd, I'd love to see them win, but uh, that final game will, will be hard for them, I think. You just
1: mentioned the groups, and it looks like Canada does have an easy route, but like you said, you know, the game against Latvia wasn't that easy, and they play Belarus. We don't know what the outcome is going to be, but they've had a pretty strong tournament. They got some really great guys there. What has stood out for you for both Latvia and Belarus?
2: Belarus, I think, has <laughs> the player of the tournament right now. It's Danila Klimovich. Uh, a guy seemingly came out of nowhere, and he's got six goals through three games, um, and just it's just a wicked shot. Um, and on top of that, he's just he seems so sneaky. He finds the open ice so well, and teams can't keep an eye on him. Um, Latvia has been, been okay. Uh, I don't have too, too many guys that have, have stood out for me. Um, I know there's a couple of guys that some of the other FC guys have liked, but I haven't, uh, focused in on them too, too much, honestly.
0: Jumping over to your, uh, your rankings, I guess, for, for this upcoming draft. Um, one guy that's, there's been a lot of talk about is Carson Lambos in terms of where he's going to go in the, in the draft now. Um, what are your thoughts on him, and, and do you see him still being a top 15 guy? It's it's definitely tough. Um,
2: entering the year, it, I think he was probably in, he was in the conversation for top five. He even won. Um, but as the year has gone on, so in Finland, he didn't really take that step forward. We were hoping to see. There were times where he really struggled even. Um, and so coming back over to the WHL, everyone was kind of hoping, okay, maybe he'll get back on the right path and obviously only got to play two games for his held out for, um, undisclosed medical procedure. So I think that too will worry some teams, the undisclosed medical procedure. So I think he's a first rounder still. I think a team will bite, but I, I could see him falling out of the top 15 for sure.
1: Andrew just mentioned Carson Lambos as a potential faller. There have been two major fallers, especially on your recent, uh, rankings in uh, samu salman and uh, daniel lazuth and i know i talked about this previously with you online when the article came out but what, two prospects that had some pretty good promise and could have been in the top or in the second round why the massive fall with them
2: salman is interesting for us we, we look at some of the other services out there and other rankings and he's in the first round to close the second and our entire video team has watched him and every time they we come back and say I don't understand how he has as many points as he does. <laughs> We've all watched him, and it looks like he's learning how to play hockey out there. He can't skate, he's not getting in the right places. Um, I say that, and then he was a star last night. So, And in this tournament, he's been really good. But um, yeah, it's just the points and the play don't match up for him. So there's a little bit of, of worry how he'll adjust to the next level. Um, he's a guy that's actually coming over to the NCAA. So, we'll see him in the North American game and if he can keep it going and I'm always, uh, up for being proved wrong in a good way. Um, Lazootin, he's so interesting. He is another guy that came into the, the year as a potential first rounder. And he's just disappeared. Uh, like even in this tournament, I don't, I feel like most people probably don't even know that he's playing. Um, I don't, I think he maybe has one assist, but if you look at the points that rush is putting up, it should be higher and he should have been a top guy. Um, he's kind of just disappeared this year and, uh, um, watching him, he, he, doesn't look anything close to a first rounder. So I think he's a guy that could fall far. Um, hopefully he can turn it around. Maybe it's just, just one bad year, but it, it's definitely not helping his draft stock.
0: Is there a guy that maybe slips into your first round that, uh, maybe people aren't talking about enough? Uh, maybe that borderline bubble guy. I feel this is an
2: interesting because I feel like that first round bubble would typically be somewhere closer to the second in a draft, like last year, or next year. Um, for me, a couple, so Oliver Kapanen, uh, he's a guy that I've been talking about, I think all year now, and he's just, he's just so good. He's, uh, I think he's one of the best finished players in this class. Um, he's a guy I always vouch for at our rankings over at FC. Um, and for me, he's at the top of the second. Um, I, I was hoping at this tournament he'd kind of really take off, but obviously he had the, the bad looking injury in his uh, the first or second game there. Um, the coaches are saying that he might come back in the tournament, so that would be good to see. Uh, but he's a guy, and then Jack Perk, defenseman. I, I feel like just everyone needs to love this guy. He's just so good at uh, creating offense. He, he's a defenseman, like he can jump up and he's just so patient. And he's spent the most of the year, uh, he spent the year between the USHL and high school and that the difference in play there is is pretty big. And he steps up to the USHL and he looks dominant and he can kind of, he can dangle guys, he gets right into up to the net. He's so patient with the puck. Uh, he's so creative, he finds the holes well. He's, he's a guy that I really like and honestly might be in, in my first round. Yeah, the USHL is
1: becoming a really dominant league, especially this year for developing some great quality talent. Um, I know last year, you know, there was that big surprise with Igor Chinikov coming and making his way into the first round. Who could be this year's Igor Chinikov? And I know that this is probably going to be difficult, but I don't, I, I personally, I think Dmitry Kuzmin could be that kind of player. He's looked pretty good for Belarus, but other than that, I, I just want to get your opinion on that because that caught everybody off guard last year.
2: Yeah, that's tough because uh, you never know who, who uh, the Blue Jackets are looking at. There was the rumor <laughs> out there that uh, Ilya Safinov, uh the Russian guy, he the teams are considering him in the top 60. So you know he's Russian and he's going to be pushed up. So it's got to be the club of Blue Jackets that look at him <laughs> early. So he's a guy that could be up there. But then you look at Chinnikov from last year. He's got the wicked shot, so maybe it's Klumovich. Maybe a team bites on him. Like he's looked good in this tournament, he's he's not playing in the the best league in Belarus, I don't think, but he's putting up points. Um, maybe a team bites on that. But uh, you mentioned Kuzmin and that first lacrosse goal in this tournament. That was uh, pretty impressive. And he's he's a guy that could sneak in at, at least pretty high. Um, he's he's definitely looked good in this tournament. And he's had a, a good season too. So.
0: Do you feel like uh, I I remember covering the um, the combine years ago when Ivan Barbashev was coming over, and do you feel like um, the Russian factor ha- has a role in where where players go in terms of whether they want to stay at home in the KHL or come over?
2: I think it depends on the team. Some teams are willing to bite. They'll uh, get the Canucks taking puckles and they're willing to wait some teams never do. I think, the, I think the Sabres never draft Russian prospects just because they don't want to wait. Um, meanwhile, it's been what, 10 years since they were in the playoffs? Um, but yeah, it just depends on the team. I think if the player is skilled enough and obviously they would talk to the player and gauge interest first. So it, it just depends on how those interviews go, how the talks the agents go and, and the team. But how what the team wants to do. Do you
1: feel that this is the situation down in twenty twenty three? Teams are going to look at with Matvey mitchkov
2: It's tough. I don't. I don't think so. Like you look how good he is. You look at him breaking Nikita Kucherov records. If he keeps going this way, I, he'll he'll be top two. I, the Bedard and mitchkov race is way too early to call. But yeah, I don't see how he can slip out of the top two, and a team can not fire that GM. <laughs>
0: Not sure this is a question you can answer. I mean, I don't think it's a question that most can answer, but it seems like every few years now we're getting a, a generational talent to uh, come up through the whether it be the the CHL or or what have you. Is this a trend that we're gonna continue to see in that, you know, there's always gonna be that that guy that's gonna create more excitement in the in the NHL? So you had Crosby, Connor McDavid, obviously Austin Matthews is someone we discussed. Um, and then uh, now you've got, you know, Bedard and, and Mitchkov coming up. Is that something that uh, we can continue to see over the next, I don't know, 10, 20 years?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think it's a pattern that as hockey kind of develops and you get more awareness in other parts, like you mentioned, Matthews coming up from Phoenix. Like, so as it kind of the hockey reach expands, I think we'll just see more and more of these guys. Uh, obviously, Canada's kind of a, a hotbed with. A lot of those guys you just mentioned: Crosby, McDavid, Bedard, Shane Wright. Um, so yeah, I, I hope so. It's good for the game to have those top guys. Brad Lambert. I think he could. He's a guy that should be in that category too right now. Uh, it's, it's it's tough to call them generational already. I think, but uh, they're they're definitely looking like they're on that path.
1: Previously, we talked about this being the draft of the defenseman, given how much quality is is on the back end, but. There's, it's also becoming one of the utmost unpredictability, where no set number one, a lot of movement, as we saw with your with the FC's rankings and even our own rankings as well. Is this draft throwing everybody off, including what's going on at FC right now?
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> at FC, our conversations—some people just feel so differently about players. Like I, and I think it it has to do with the. So you look at last year's draft and you've kind of got that clear tier where there's Lefrenier and Byfield, maybe just Lefrenier. um Byfield, Stussel, and there's that kind of top tier below them too. So this year, I think you just take those away and that's where you started at that third tier. Um, and I think we're, we're even seeing it in this tournament with the guys that we thought were, were top guys like Simon Edmondson. Um, But yeah, I think all of our, I know all of our head scouts have a different top 10. And all of our regional guys have certain guys higher, certain guys lower. The QMJHL is just a mess right now with the top four. Um, So it's tough. And I think that while maybe there isn't that top end talent, it's going to be an exciting draft because of the unpredictability. And so um, it's been fun to follow for that.
0: In terms of the Maple Leafs, obviously we got to get into that with uh, us being a Leafs podcast. Um, we've seen some some good play from Niamela, uh, obviously in the World Juniors and, uh, you know, through the, throughout this season. What can uh, Leaf fans expect from a guy like that?
2: He's taken a big step forward, and I know there were was, was some people last year who thought he could have been the, the second-best defenseman in the class, and uh, honestly, he's, he's starting to, to look like it more and more. Um I do think he's a guy that I've always thought that he's a guy that could, would be an NHLer. Um last year I think I, I wrote that he would be a top could be a top four guy. Um, so I still think he's on that path. I haven't been focusing too too much on NHL prospects this year as I dive all into the draft, but I um, hard not to notice him.
1: Leafs don't have a first round pick. They give it away for Nick Felino, but they still do have a second. And if you were to just put on your GM cap for just one quick second with that second round pick that they have, who do you think would be the best fit for
2: them? You guys are, I think it's like down at 60 right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I did, uh, I did the way too early mock draft a couple months ago and I had the least taking, uh, Artem Grushnikov. So Grushnikov is another guy who hasn't played this year. He was supposed to come over to the OHL from Russia and it's just, I guess, caught in limbo. Um, and I think if the OHL was playing, he would probably be a first round guy. He's, uh, he's the Braden Schneider of this draft in my opinion. Um, and so because he hasn't played, I can see him slipping. And with all, especially with all the talk last year about how the Leafs should take Schneider. Uh, um, I think Khrushnikov down in the second half of the second is a better pick. Uh, he still is that defensive guy. Um, he moves so well. I don't think there's a whole lot of offensive upside with him, but he could be your future shutdown guy for a long time. Um, on the forward end, there, it's tough. There's so many guys down there. Um, a guy that I've been liking all year is Robert Orr. Maybe the maybe the second, the end of the second is a little too high. Maybe he might be more of a third. Um, but he gives me Zach Hyman vibes. Uh, just that guy that never takes his foot off the gas, and is the one that he'll always go in the corner and, and feed the puck out to the other guys. Um, I've liked him a lot. He's a guy that I always kind of fight for in our rankings.
0: I thought you were going to say the second, uh, second coming of Bobby Orr uh, with that one, but, uh, we all know that Peter was on the Schneider train last year. Um, it's been a, it's been a tough year for, for everybody with everything going on, but Josh, um, I want to step away from hockey for a second and, uh, ask you about uh you've had some exciting news this year as well uh personally
2: yeah yeah we uh got games this year so that's nice uh we're uh planning for a, a small wedding later this summer actually so hopefully these these numbers drop uh but it's okay we've actually got a, a second big wedding planning for a couple of years so <laughs> to get all the, all the kind of family and friends there but uh yeah it's kind of it's definitely been nice and i know she's been planning
0: like crazy so that's nice for her in this uh, quarantine too yeah I'll uh, I'll give you a quick wedding story about a week before my wedding um, I got news that I was credentialed for the NHL all-star game down in Nashville so my wife was busy uh, busy planning and she was happy to get me out of the house so uh, that was uh, that that was my go-to story but uh, we want to both congratulate you on that that's obviously exciting uh, especially in in these crazy times and um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely an honor having you back on, but, um, yeah, where, where, where can people find you? And, and, uh, what, what, what do they have lo- to look forward to for you, Josh?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm at Joshua Bell 31 on Twitter. Uh, you can find all my stuff on FC. All my articles are, are free. and uh, all the reports are behind uh, a paywall, um, which is definitely worth it. We put out a ton of, a ton of reports and there's some, Really great my hockey minds in FC um, to look forward to. I'm not sure when this go out, but uh, on Sunday I'll have the uh, preliminary round standouts uh, for the U18s. And we've been doing the three stars of the day, so that'll continue coming out uh, through the tournament. And then at the end, we'll do a, a risers on risers and fallers article, and that'll actually hit Sporting News. So uh, busy week coming up, but uh, it's, uh, it's an exciting tournament.
0: Awesome. That's, uh, that, that's Josh Bell over at FC Hockey, everyone. I'm very glad to have you on, as I mentioned. And uh, Peter and I, I'm sure, we'll be in touch with you very soon to talk more draft, more prospects, and everything hockey. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Thanks again for coming on. Appreciate it. Well, Peter, obviously, we love getting Josh on here. Uh, you know, former hockey writer over at the Hockey Writers now with FC Hockey. Um Josh does an incredible job of, of covering NHL draft prospects for FC hockey. And, uh, you know, if you're not following more already, jump on Twitter and, and give this guy a follow because the video content that he provides, the analysis that he provides, um, you know, one of the one of the top draft guys in the game right now, in my opinion. Yeah, no,
1: definitely. And he's doing an absolutely great job killing it with the content. I mean, it it seems like everything that he's doing right now, is either an article or a clip or a, of. I, I, I want to throw something else in there, but I can't. It's it, like the content that he's producing right now and even like everyone over at FC doing a fantastic job with the coverage of the tournament. I mean, can't say anything else other than just give them credit where credit's due. They're... Pumping content out like no tomorrow. This is fantastic for them, and they're just doing such a really great job. And even Josh, uh, like I said, um, you know, we still call him our draft guru, THW alumni, um, doing what he loves, and we couldn't be even ha- we couldn't even be happier for him.
0: No, absolutely. And uh, like I said, if you if you're not already, head over to Twitter, follow Josh Bell. Um, You will not be disappointed with the content he's providing. And uh, as always, we were very happy to have him on the show. Um, Tap the follow button. That's that's it. it. That's it. (laughs) You know, and while you're at it, uh, head over and find us on any podcast uh, network and hit the follow button there as well. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, But uh, with that, I do want to get into our Maple Leafs talk. Um, Obviously, we know that's why you're actually here. Of course, um, but with with the Maple Leafs talk, I want to start this off because this is a debate that I think we have to have. The Hart Trophy. I don't think there's any question that McDavid is the front runner for the Heart Trophy as League MVP. Mm-hmm. Eddie Lack recently tweeted out that Matthews should get the Heart Trophy. And said, "No question." Now I know that he took an absolute ripping, um, especially no, from Canucks fans. Yes, for that uh, for that comment, <laughs> um, but it made me it made me question whether you know McDavid should be a unanimous Hart Trophy winner, and. The reason I say that is because there's been no other player in the last 35 years scoring at that pace of 0.81 goals per game than Mario Lemieux and Austin Matthews. Yeah. What he's been able to do this season has... I mean, just look at what the value he's had for his his team. And and he's missed... uh, a few games as well, a handful of games. Now, that's that being said, I understand the argument for McDavid. A guy who can put up 100 points in a 56-game season deserves deserves the votes for a Hart Trophy. But I think there needs to be some recognition given to Austin Matthews as well. And not just because we're Leaf Podcast, but because the torrid pace that he's on for his, his goal scoring is something out of this world
1: right now. I mean, I'm just—is it too early to call him the greatest leaf
0: of all time? I mean, <laughs> I don't—I th- I honestly, like, if he—if he's willing to sign long-term after this this deal is done, he could potentially break a number of franchise records. So, no, I don't—I th- don't think it is. <laughs> um, we'll we'll say that
1: argument for another day. But um, I mean, but like you said, I mean, the way that. I mean, I'm I'm going to start off this. I, I especially yet uh, on Sunday after the game against Vancouver, I saw multiple comments online saying that what Matthews is doing is is nothing new, considering that Ovechkin and Stamkos have you know really great marks with Stamkos with his sixty goals and Ovechkin with with his sixty five, Ovechkin and oh seven oh eight and Stamkos in twenty eleven twelve. Those are phenomenal years. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they're one of the top goal scorers in the league. But here's the thing. No one has scored 60 goals since Stamkos. That's been, if my math is correct, that's at least 10 years at this point right now. Almost 11. Matthews has a better goal per game season than both of them. You look at the top goals goals uh, per game Per season, and uh, Matthews for a single season, Matthews is above them. He's uh, uh, overall it's ranked 88th, but 8.1. Ovechkin had 7.793 in 0708. Stamkos, he had 0.732. To brush it all off and say that this isn't special at all screw it this really is something if he didn't and like you said you even mentioned it too he missed sometimes due to injury if he didn't miss those games and if his wrist was at a hundred percent he would have been well above a goal per game for this season in a lockout shortened year and honestly we are going to celebrate this and we are going to give him the recognition for that heart because he is a major factor for this team right now. You take away those goals. I mean, the Maple Leafs don't have much. He's winning. He, they're winning games because of Austin Matthews. And I shouldn't say that you take him away because this is a really great team. They do have depth, but let's face it. Austin Matthews is on his whole is is on his own level right now. Um, I believe he has. Obviously, he has 38 goals, but I believe the next closest is Mitch Marner with 18, and then John Tavares right after. So, you don't have another player with 20 goals. Matthews is closing in on 40, and he could probably get to 45. I don't know if 50 is an option, but if he could get to 45 in 56 games, granted that he missed a few, if he's able to get closer to that goal-per-game mark, I that to me is a whole lot more than just overall points because let's face it, goals get you the wins.
0: Yeah, and I I, I mean, the thing that I'm considering too is that, uh, you know, Matthews did miss time, but he was also playing injured for the the first part of the season. And I mean... Good stretch, yeah. Yeah, it takes time to come back from that as well. So he went, he went a number of games after he came back from his injury... Um, you know, where he didn't score any goals. And on top of that, 28 even strength goals uh, so far this season. The next three closest players Miko Rantanen, Brad Marchand, Connor McDavid, 20 even strength goals. He has eight more even strength goals than any other player right now. Um, on top of that, 12 game winning goals. Next closest, mm-hmm. obviously, Connor McDavid with 10. Um, But even strength assists, Conor McDavid has 36. Austin Matthews has 21. So a number of his, sorry, a number of Conor McDavid's points are coming on the power play as well. He has 22 power play assists on top of the 36 even strength yeah. assists. So how much of that do you take into account as well? If you're talking about even strength points this year, Connor McDavid has 56, Austin Matthews has 49. Okay. When you talk about power play points, Conor McDavid has 31. You can't even find Austin Matthews at this point. Austin Matthews has I believe I like I'm I'm scrolling down here. I'm trying to find it because that's so he's got sorry He's thirteen got thir- thirteen power play points compared to Connor McDavid's assists. thirty-one. So consider that when you're talking about Connor McDavid's overall point production versus Austin Matthews goal production. That alone is is for me an argument enough to to consider Austin Matthews as the most valuable player. On top of all of that. It's so easy to be the all time or the, the 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 you know, the point leader when you're the one of the few players putting up points for your franchise. Yeah. And in Edmonton, right now, Conor McDavid is that guy. When you're Austin Matthews in Toronto and you're rolling four lines of of I mean, you talk about a guy like Jason Spetz on the fourth line who's got, you know, twenty plus points there is there is depth scoring in Toronto where you don't have that same depth scoring in Edmonton
1: Jason Spezza closing in on 30 points two away I say he does it but
0: 700
1: uh, dollars oh god yeah um I mean yeah I mean if it's, it's harder to score at even strength than it is on the power play cuz you have the man advantage Players in the box, and especially with the way that McDavid can shoot, yeah, and set up plays, he's going to get those points no matter what. But the fact that Matthews is doing most of his damage at even strength when everyone is on the ice, that to me alone, I mean, when I I look at the score and all their stats or everything that they do for like awards and everything, especially for players, it's everything's done at five on five. Matthews does have the better numbers. I mean, it's if you're basing it off five-on-five production, Matthews is the guy. There's no other way around it. Yeah, McDavid may have just slightly better numbers, but, I mean, how can you argue with the way that he's producing right now? And, And here's the thing. If you're solely basing it off points with McDavid, then he's going to win the Hart Trophy every single year. Like you're just going to have one person win it every single time. And that's going to be like Wayne Gretzky winning it. God knows how many times you got to find some other criteria to just look at than just points. If you're looking at five on five goal production. Um, I, I, I mean, that should be the main target right there. And, and let's face it, having McDavid win it year after year, after year, after year, just because he puts up the
0: points, it's going to be really boring power play points per 60 minutes. Connor McDavid 8.68. Austin Matthews 5.24. Three more points per 60 minutes of Connor McDavid's output is coming on the power play. Power play. Yeah. Easy to do when your power play is clicking the way that Edmonton Oilers have been over over the, the 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 length of this season. And obviously if you're the best player in the league, Absolutely, absolutely, and and there, nobody's taking that away from Conor McDavid. I just think no. Austin Matthews deserves recognition for the Hart Trophy and consideration. I think I I I think so too.
1: I, and again, this isn't just saying because we are a Leaf podcast. I mean, you look at the numbers, and it really is and um, difficult. And considering that the Maple Leafs have barely gotten anything going on the power play, Matthews is still doing his damage at five on five. So, um. Yeah, I, I, I'm i at a loss for words right now. If uh, people are saying that, oh, give it to Conor McDavid because he has better numbers, eh, you may want to think about that.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, with that said, we did mention Jason Spezza. And obviously, you know, a guy who surpassed Rocket Richard uh, in terms of the all-time points list uh, in NHL history, now 99th. Joe mm-hmm. Thornton also had his own milestone, reaching 1,100 career assists. Um, you know, obviously two two of the older gentlemen on the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, but two guys that don't seem to be, you know, affected by uh, father time.
1: Not at all. And I'm really happy that, you know, they were able to do this all in a Leafs jersey um truly spectacular what they were able to accomplish and i know that i was a little bit hard on joe a couple weeks ago considering that he has he his point production was very very low over like 20 games very minimal but you know what five points five game point streak right now and he's throwing a body and he's throwing his weight and he's in full-on playoff mode right now and this is the joe thornton that we saw at the beginning of the season too I mean, obviously, the points aren't always going to be there. But the fact that that consistency factor is in there and even getting into it, getting into it with, like, you know, players like uh, Nick Ehlers, if he does that to the best players in the playoffs and being that agitator, oh, man, this is going to be a really fun playoff stretch, especially with Joe Thornton there. And Spetsa, I just mentioned that, you know, two points away from 30, and he's seen most of his minutes on the fourth line. I I didn't have time to fully go into it. But when was the last time that you saw a fourth line player with Jason's Bessas, you know, kind of production? I have never seen anything like that. And there probably is a player out there,
0: but I none that come to my mind. No. And, and uh, like you said, Thornton, one of seven players to have 1100 assists in his career. Also 17 points in 30, 39 games say what you will about this guy, but he was he was brought in for, you know, the purposes of leadership in the dressing room. What he's mm-hmm. been able to do on the ice is an added bonus. Um, and you are starting to see that fiery guy. You are st- starting to see a guy that, you know, is, is getting ready and amped up for playoff hockey. And Jason Spezza, like you said, you know, ready to hit the 30-point mark again. Um, you know, what can you say about... These guys and and you know on top of all of that, making it easy for Adam Brooks to be a part of the offense as well. Um, you know, Spets at twenty eight points in forty nine games, uh, just unbelievable what unbelievable what he's been able to do as well for the Maple Leafs this season. And that just kind of goes to show you this veteran leadership that they have in that room is is incredible. Um, and on top of all that, you want to talk about veteran leadership, Wayne Simmons. Um, his fight against Alex Edler after Edler uh, need Hyman and put him out for, for a few weeks here. What were your thoughts on the Simmons fight with Alex Edler? Ooh, I mean, I had no problem with it.
1: I mean, it's, it's kind of sad that, you know, The Canucks media were, like, trying to pit it on and say, like, oh, this was, like, a bad fight. He shouldn't have done it or whatever. But you know what? Eller was the one that injured a guy. He knew what was going to happen with the next time that they faced him. And, you know, Wayne Simmons is a guy who who doesn't forget what happens. And the fact that he went in there and he said, you know what? Let's go. Eller dropped the gloves. So, there's no issue at all from Edler because he knew that he was going to face the music. And the fact that, you know, he, they both dropped the gloves, Wayne threw a couple good punches in there. He's like, okay, you know, this guy learned his lesson. He backed off. I have no issue whatsoever with that fight because, you know what? We've seen this a number of times where we've seen players do something that, you know, they don't like and it's a dirty play. And then someone else has remembers it and they fight. It's not like and we talked about this on the lounge. It's not like they went at Wayne Simmons went after Quinn Hughes to get retribution for injuring um Zach Hyman. He went after the guy that injured Zach Hyman. They fought. It shouldn't matter if they're if Wayne Simmons is like, you know, a well known fighter or not. Someone's gotta step up and, you know, answer the call for Hyman because let's face it, he, Hyman can't do it. He's injured. So the fact that Wayne, being the guy that he is, came in there, sent a message to Edler saying that, you know what, we're not going to take this kind of crap. Pay up. Simple as that.
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I think Edler answered the bell. Um, and Kevin Bieksa said it perfectly on, on Sportsnet the other night that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, there, the the code is that there is no dirty fight um, when it comes to retribution. Mm-hmm. There is no dirty fight. Um, Ian McIntyre of Sportsnet tweeted back on uh, tw- the 29th of April, so a few days back, that no Canucks took issue post game with Wayne Simmons forcing out al- forcing Alex Edler to fight. Simmons had 77 NHL fights, Edler had 0. The code is supposed to be about respect. There was none shown there. Want Edler to fight for Hy- for a hit on Hyman? Fine, but send somebody else. Okay. So, here's here's <laughs> here's what I had to say. Yeah. My 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 thinking on that is that if let's say Wayne Simmons Okay, sorry. Let's say Rasmus Sandin need Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes is out of the lineup. Mm -hmm. Who are you sending after Rasmus Sandin? It's not going to be Nate Schmidt. It's not going to be Elias Pettersson. It's not going to be a guy that's Rasmus Sandin's size. You're sending Antoine Roussel.
1: Yeah.
0: 100 times over. 100 times over. Yeah. You're sending chatfield who's going to throw punches. You're sending a guy who's got experience in in retribution in in standing up for his teammates. So you can't tell me that Edler didn't know going into that game that there was going to be somebody looking to come after him. And like Bexer said, after that fight it was done. Yeah. The matter was solved. Nobody was going after him. Nobody was playing dirty. Nobody was trying to hit him. It was solved. It was done. The matter was closed. Forget if he had zero fights. There's video evidence that Edler was also, you know, Edler also need Eric Stahl back in the World Juniors. Mm -hmm. Let's not forget. Like, this this is not the first time he's been caught on a kneeing issue. Now, he's gone his entire NHL career without having that supplemental discipline. That said, the other night was a dirty hit on Zach Hyman. Mm -hmm. So, Mr. McIntyre, I don't give a shit who the player is that made the hit. The fact is the Leafs have Simmons, they have Thornton, they have toughness in the lineup now. And players who make dirty hits are going to have to answer the bell. That's part of the game. It has been for centuries. Yeah. So I, I give all the respect to Alex Edler. He he stood up. He He took the punches. He took the, you know, he got involved. And, yeah, he got a little cut underneath the eye, but that was it. That was the end of it. He answered the bell and matter closed. For me, it was a good fight. For me, I have no issue with it, and for all the Vancouver media, I I made a joke, and I know Alex Hobson of the Hockey Writers also made the joke (laughs) um, about the tears of Vancouver Canucks fans and Winnipeg fans uh, in unison. Um, I said it could replenish the water around the world, whereas uh, I believe Alex tweeted a picture of uh, Niagara Falls, (laughs) and, uh, and this is where their tears end up. So having a little fun at the expense of their fan, their fan bases, their media. Um, but uh, in, in all honesty, I mean, it's crazy to think that Toronto for the first time in a number of years have, have a little bit of toughness in their lineup and all of a sudden they're considered dirty.
1: Yeah. And it goes back to what Wayne Simmons said about the Maple Leafs being dirty. And you know what I said about it being a double standard. And I made a comment about, uh, our, I made a comment saying that like, how many times have we seen, This happened where a player makes a bad hit and then someone answers the bell to stand up for them. Um, uh, Brian McGregor um, tweeted out or replied to me saying, not the Leafs. It's okay to do this. Um, It's the Leafs Bush League. So, again, it goes back to that double standard where the Maple Leafs have been known as being a soft team for so long. But now the fact that they've added some toughness, it's an issue. Give me a break. And again, uh, you mentioned um, uh, Antoine Roussel, someone to do a fight or to make a fight or to pick a fight on Sandin if he did something, you know, made a bad hit on Quinn Hughes. You're telling me Alex Edler wouldn't do the same thing? Come on. Like, I know he hasn't fought a lot in his career, but let's face it. Maybe he probably would. If he's able to do a dirty hit like that, he could probably fend for himself and maybe send a message himself.
0: Yeah, no, I I just I mean for once they need to look at it from their their perspective. If if the same play was made on a on a valuable player like I, and this is where I get into the idea that Zach Hyman is probably one of the more underrated players in the NHL. What he adds to that lineup, what he's able to bring to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Look, the play was dirty and yeah. I think in put in the same position, Vancouver would have reacted the exact same way. They would have gone to their tough guy and said, "Go after him, get him to to drop the mitts and and you know answer the bell for for that hit." A team wouldn't. S- a- a- absolutely, and simple as that. And for the like I said, for the first time in a number of years, the Toronto Maple Leafs stand up for their guy. Yeah. Um, I can remember a number of years where instances even where. Um, you know, Matthews was hit and, uh, you know, big hit and the Leafs just skated away. And that was Mm -hmm. it. Nobody, nobody held anybody accountable. And now all of a sudden the Leafs are holding people accountable because they've got a guy like Wayne Simmons in the lineup who's willing to throw, you know, throw the mitts down and, and do what he needs to do. And, you know, all of a sudden it's, it's an issue. It just, it makes zero sense to me. Um, I'll never understand it, but uh, you know if if you know if you're Simmons keep doing what you're doing because what you bring to the team is is absolutely incredible. Days after the
1: fight with Adler, uh, Samuel Gerard was knocked into the boards and it looked like a dirty hit for a, or a bad hit from behind from Kevin LeBanc. You wanna know who stood up when Gerard was on the ice and it it was a very questionable hit? You know who stepped in? Nathan McKinnon stepped up, saw something that he didn't like. It was a dangerous hit on his teammates and he fought Kevin LeBlanc. Exactly what Wayne Simmons did. So it kind of makes you think that not only enforcers do this, star players are doing it. As we saw with McKinnon, and he laid in a couple of good punches in on the
0: I loved seeing that. I loved seeing that. And yeah. you know what? I'm... I know, I know that fighting is not the most prolific part of the the game. Mm-hmm. But it has a place in the game and it has a place where when it's when it's organic, it's it's not the worst thing to happen. Um when you got a guy who's you know testosterone's flying, emotions are flying, it's it's such an emotional game. To see a guy like McKinnon step up for his teammate, I love that. I absolutely love that. And I have no issue with that.
1: But isn't that the same thing? that that is? I, 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 and again, and this is where the double standard is coming in. Wayne Simmons does the exact same thing days before McKinnon did that. And are people probably going to celebrate McKinnon for doing that? Absolutely. But Wayne Simmons on the Maple Leafs?
0: Come on like get like get a grip and is that more because Wayne Simmons is on the maple Leafs or is that more because Wayne Simmons doesn't put up you know 30 35 goals a season I mean honestly
1: he was he, he could still if you still put up 30 goals a season making the money that he is right now and still fighting oh my god that would be that would be perfect <laughs> I mean let's face it that would be honestly if even if he was still making five million for 30 goals and fighting i would take that i would still take that
0: yeah no absolutely and uh you know last two quick notes before we close out the episode Sandine on the top pairing and load management for players how do you feel about both of those uh i really love Sandine on that
1: top pairing um I had a recent article come out uh, about roster decisions that they could make for playoffs. And I think that Rasmus Sandin has solidified a spot on the roster. The fact that he came in with Morgan Riley being a late scratch in their first game against the Canucks, he was phenomenal. He played 21-39 with TJ Brody, seemed to feed off each other really well. And I'm reading um, the stats that I wrote in my article at 5-on-5, five five, he led all the least defensemen with a Corsi 4 percentage or or uh, shot attempts. Uh, 74% fourth overall on the team for that game. The fourth best expected goals for percentage, 87.65. But here's the best stat for me. When he was on the ice with TJ Brody as the pairing, there was not a shot against at all. They were shot attempts, but that probably missed the net. But anything, they the on-net mark, on goal, was a goose egg. He excelled in a prominent role. He was given that opportunity to impress. He ran away with it. And honestly, this proves that he can handle the minutes. He can handle the responsibility. And some people may say that, oh, you know, it's a really small sample. You know, um, it's only one game. Calm down. Maybe. But his composure and his in that game was like a veteran top two defenseman. And that's something that we haven't seen a lot from Morgan Riley this year. And the fact that, you know, maybe Morgan Riley needed a rest along with uh, Muzzin, Felino dealing with some sort of uh, injuries, giving them some time to rest. You know what? We secured a playoff spot for load management. I'm all for it. If you need to rest somebody like John Tavares as well, go right ahead. I mean... I know you still want to probably secure that divisional title, but you have your playoff spot. That's the most important thing. And the depth, you have people that could step in. And this is another topic that we talked on the lounge too. Um, I have no issues if you need to rest somebody or make sure that they're 100% because, hey, they were out two of their top four defensemen and their top winger alongside Matthews and Marner, and they still managed to pull out a win. That depth right there says a lot. And it, it looks like maybe that Justin Hall may get a night off against the Canadians. I don't know. This is probably going to air after the Maple Leafs play the Canadians. And Timothy Lilligren may slot in with Jake Muzzin, something that a lot of fans have always wanted to see. So I'm all for it no matter what. But rest of Sandin, man. If we move on from Morgan Riley, Sandine's your guy. He just proved it.
0: Yeah, no, I'm on the same page with you uh, in terms of both uh, Sandine and the load management. I think Sandine has done a phenomenal job in stepping in and and really proving that he belongs. Obviously, you know, got a hit into the uh, stanchions uh, late in in the Leafs last game, but, uh, you know, came back out and, um, you know, he's been able to really. I, I think he's developed his game so much so in the last year that uh, he's a guy that could be a legitimate top four uh, for a full 82 game season mm-hmm. next year. Um, but uh, hey, shout out to Patrick Sandine. Uh, you know, yes. tune in every week, buddy. Uh, we'd love <laughs> to have you retweet our stuff. But. Um, <laughs> in terms of the load management, that's something that Toronto fans were made aware of with Kawhi Leonard being with the Toronto Maple or Toronto Raptors rather. Um, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That would be nice. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. That would be really nice. Give him a statue outside. Um, (laughs) But no, he, uh, you know, and and what the Raptors were able to do that season is, you know, it's just unbelievable. So, for them to be able to rest a couple players, knowing damn well that they've, uh, you know, they've locked down basically top spot in the North. Um, they've locked down their playoff spot. I think it's, it's a great opportunity for them to give some players a little bit of rest and, uh, you know, get ready for the playoffs. I don't think at this point, because the season is the way that it is. I don't think at this point that you need to play these guys out for the remaining 10 games of the year. So, I, I, I don't mind it. I love it. Um, you know, get guys like Timothy Lilgren in there to to slot in for a couple games and, and get his opportunity to to really shine as well in the lineup. Um, yeah, it's a great opportunity for those guys. And, and obviously, we've seen what Adam Brooks has done in his opportunity as well. So yeah. I have no issues there. I love it. Um, and we continue to watch these young Leafs grow with the, the pipeline that they have. So... I'm excited for what's to come. I know you're excited for what's to come, (laughs) Um, but let our listeners and our readers know what you've got going on as we close out this episode.
1: I mentioned the article already. Um, I just came out with a post about what the Maple Leafs need to do for roster decisions, which is where I got the Sandine stuff from. Um, If you want to read that, go ahead and check that out. But also looking to – Maybe another Leaf article, maybe some draft content as well for uh, more player profiles. I just came out with one last week about Brennan Othman, one of my favorite players in this draft. Um, give that a read. But I want to do a quick shout out as well to, I believe it is the uh, Michael Mazze. His Twitter account is TMLIMO, the least in my opinion. Yes, Michael. He came out with the meme it's a picture of tony stark peter parker and um dr strange and it has thornton and spezza as tony stark and dr strange and then adam brooks is peter parker in the middle so you got the two old guys with the young one right there so that was a really good meme that i really loved
0: yeah, no, I love that as well. I saw that uh, just before hopping on the show here. So, um, yeah, great, great meme, and um, you know, kudos to to Adam Brooks for being the twelve year old on the team between <laughs> the two vets. But um, that 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 picture might go down in history as one of the greatest pictures. I think they got to put it up somewhere in the uh, Scotia Bank Arena, but Legends um, Row. Yeah, Legends <laughs> Row. Adam Brooks sitting between Joe Thornton and Jason Spencer. I love that. That would be, that'd be great. I'd go, I'd go take my picture there as well. But um, aside from that folks, thank you as always for tuning into episode 38 of the podcast. Uh, We here at sticks in the six love having um, you guys listen in and tune into everything that we have to say. I know we're just a couple of armchair GMs, you know, talking about our favorite team, but um that said you can follow Peter on Twitter at P You can follow myself at Andrew G Forbes, or you can follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Sticks in the Six Pod S T I X I N T H E six I X P O D. More than anything, head over to Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you can listen to your podcasts, download our episodes, hit the follow button hit subscribe, rate, review. We love to hear what you have to say uh, so we can continue to bring bring you guys great content. As mentioned before, we are looking at getting a YouTube channel for some of our interviews. Obviously, we've had some great guests over the last few weeks. We hope to continue to provide you with some great content moving forward. Peter and I will also be working on uh, possible apparel, so look forward to that. Um, aside from that, we look forward to having you back next week for episode 39 of Sticks in the Six. Have a great one. See you all next week.